You are listening to the University of Wisconsin-Madison's Mortgage Center for Public Service podcast, a podcast dedicated to connecting community, campus, and student voices that foster, shape, and cultivate a thriving democratic society. Today on GridgeFridge, we're ecstatic to welcome John Zumbrennan, the Vice Provost for Teaching and Learning. Zumbrennan has been a faculty member of the UW-Madison Political Science Department for over a decade. Now, as the Vice Provost for Teaching and Learning, he provides leadership and support for UW-Madison's teaching and learning missions across campus. Previously, Zumbrennan served as the faculty director of the Chadbourne Residential College and co-chaired the UW Teaching Academy. Zumbrennan's academic work examines the history of political thought, democratic theory, and American political thought. In this episode of Gridge Fridge, we'll talk with Zumbrennan about his work in the political science department, the challenges and responsibilities of his role as the vice provost for teaching and learning, and how students can become civically engaged leaders on campus and beyond. Thank you so much for joining us here today, John. We're so excited to talk about a lot of different topics. So before we jump into all of that, you've been the provost for teaching and learning for about a year now. And what has been your favorite part of the position? Well, thanks, Aaron. And it's it's great to be here. And I really appreciate the chance to talk with you. Um, so, you know, I, I started as, as vice provost for teaching and learning in August of 2020. So it's been a bit of a tumultuous time. Um, I think I would say my favorite part has been um, meeting so many amazing colleagues around campus, uh, all of whom are really devoted to the mission of of promoting excellence in teaching and learning. So, you know, I I first went to grad school uh, to get my PhD because I was motivated to be a college instructor. So I've always loved the research side of my work, but it's really the teaching that gets me up in the morning and that, you know, powered me through uh, more years of grad school than I care to admit. Um, And so having this opportunity to form partnerships and relationships with and work alongside um, really amazing people across this campus. I think that's my favorite part is those relationships. And talking about what brought you to higher education, it sounds like this teaching component was a really big part of that. So can you talk about what brought you to the UW-Madison Political Science Department and how your scholarly and teaching interests have developed and changed over the years? Sure. So I uh, was an undergraduate at what was then Southwest Missouri State and is now Missouri State University in Springfield, Missouri. So grew up on a a little farm in rural Missouri. And, um, you know, like a lot of undergrads, um, you know, started off not really knowing what I was interested in or or, um, what I wanted to do with my life when I was 18, 19 years old and and sort of stumbled across political science because I'd always had an interest in politics. And like a lot of people who end up being college faculty, I had a couple inspirational professors as an undergrad and, and basically realized that I wanted their life, right? So I wanted to be a college faculty member. Went to grad school at University of Minnesota, 
Um, taught for eight years at Union College in Schenectady, New York, which is a really excellent liberal arts college, um, and and loved my time there. And truthfully, if my wife and I weren't both from um, the Midwest, I again grew up in Missouri and Amy grew up in the Twin Cities, uh, we probably would have stayed in New York uh, forever. But we had kids and it was time to get back closer to family and um, you know, I don't know how to say it other than that for me, lightning struck and I got this job. I, I still um, have moments when I walk up Bascom Hill and pinch myself a little that I ended up at this university. It's a, it's an amazing fit for me, um, given that it's a, a large public university with this deep, deep commitment to public service. Um, the Wisconsin idea is, is a very special and real thing to me. So I wouldn't say that I started out my career thinking, oh, University of Wisconsin-Madison's where I wanted to end up, but I feel just incredibly fortunate to um, you know, now have spent uh, the bulk of my career here and, and imagine myself finishing my career here and, and just feel really lucky. And then you ask about, about teaching and research interests. So again, <laughs> I'm going to sound like an old man here, but you know, looking back on and trying to figure out why life unfolds in the way it does, um, it's always interesting talking to students and, and you know, everybody wants there to be a clear path and a, and a plan and, and understand exactly where you're going in advance. And then, then life just takes you in particular twists and turns. So I don't know how I ended up sort of falling in love with, with political theory or political philosophy. I know, again, that some really great undergraduate instructors had something to do with it. But um, I was really taken when I was a junior, senior in college by the great big political ideas. What's, what's justice? What's freedom? What's democracy? Um, what does uh, citizenship in a democracy require of all of us? And, you know, those big questions are, are still on some level the ones that fascinate me the most, whether it's on the research side or the, or the teaching side. Again, that's what drove me to go to grad school to get ready to go you know, spend a, a professional life um, exploring those questions with young people. I, I mean, what a what a wonderful thing to get to do for your life's work. And my particular interests have evolved and changed. I, I started out early in my career, really um, focusing on on writing about the ancient Greeks. Um, spent some time um, studying American political thought. Um, you know, throughout a really driving concern with um, with the nature of democracy and um, the possibilities and challenges for ordinary people as citizens in democracy, really as a kind of thread through all of that work, and and in more recent years have have taken a different turn, really driven by my teaching in recent years. So. Um, I was faculty director at Chadbourne Residential College for four years, uh, and as part of that work, um, started doing some traveling with students. So uh, two spring breaks in a row, I got to take groups of students to the Dominican Republic where we did really community-based learning. Um, of the kind that the Mortgage Center promotes. It was totally hooked, you know, so so I think my favorite thing to do now is to um, have those kind of experiential learning opportunities with students where you can take those great big theoretical ideas like what is democracy, what is citizenship, and explore them together with some experience out there in the world. So have traveled to the Dominican Republic with students, have spent time in Ireland with students, have 
um, a really exciting partnership with some colleagues on campus and at uh, a campus of the University of Puerto Rico that um, involves taking students there uh, and doing um, ecological restoration work alongside local partners. And again, for me, that's just really wonderfully fun and interesting work to do and also a really great way to take some of those big abstract questions of political theory that have always been interesting to me and and bring them down on the ground into a real experience alongside students. So, um, you know, that has has driven my research interests in a variety of different directions. I find myself um, studying environmental political theory in ways that I haven't before. Um, uh, again, thinking about citizenship in in different and complex contexts. Um, Puerto Rico with its um, complex and troubled relationship with the United States, um, can't really think of a, a more interesting place to think about, again, the possibilities and the challenges of, of being a citizen. Um, and then for that matter too, you know, I've suddenly in um, my late 40s, early 50s become once again, a student of Spanish, so spent a lot of time trying to get my Spanish up from the the level of the two years of high school Spanish that I had into something like um, something like a, a speaking and, and listening uh, proficiency that will let me actually interact with partners um, in Puerto Rico in their native language. So, you know, th this again is where I just feel unbelievably privileged and fortunate to be um, a faculty member and in particular a faculty member at this university where I just have this uh, amazing set of opportunities to continue to, to grow and learn and develop and figure out different ways to challenge myself. So it's been, it's been a great ride so far. Sounds like you've had quite the academic and personal journey long before you came to UW, but kind of along the way. Like you said, those big questions I feel like drive so many of us as we're young scholars trying to figure out what we really want to do in the world, whether it be in academia or outside of that. So I think that's a really great thing that you brought up. Yeah. And, you know, it's, again, the most rewarding thing about what I get to do for a living is um, seeing young people. Um, open up to those kinds of questions in their own life. And again, the, the particular thing that I get to, to study and teach about is politics. But, but watching young people, you know, find what the questions are that mean the most to them and then, you know, being able to be a little part of their journey in exploring those questions, it's just incredibly rewarding. And with teaching really being at the root of what you enjoy most about your job at UW-Madison. Can you talk about um, your role as Vice Provost of Teaching and Learning, what your day-to-day -day work sort of looks like in that, in that environment, and how this division touches the lives of students in ways they might not always perceive? Yeah, so, you know, the, the job of Vice Provost for Teaching and Learning um, is, I think, probably the ideal administrative position for me. When, when people ask me what it's like, you know, the first thing I will say is that basically everything I do every day um, focuses on trying to, you know, promote excellence in teaching and so advance student learning at this amazing university. And, and I, I can't imagine a better job description. 
what my day to day is is like I spend most of my time uh, when I'm at work meeting and interacting with folks around campus who are focused on that mission of teaching and learning. So in part, that means working with um, the amazing group of colleagues who I'm I'm fortunate to um, work with and lead in the division for teaching and learning, and I can say more about that in a moment. Um, but then also interacting with folks who um, lead teaching and learning efforts around uh, campus in the schools and colleges. So really great sets of, of associate and assistant deans and deans out in the schools and colleges who um, are the ones who do the work that makes the, the teaching and learning mission of this university possible. Um, and then I do still find time to interact with instructors and students. So, you know, it, it's really a great mix of, of things that I get to do day to day. Of course, you know, again, started this job in August of 2020. Um, COVID has been present in my work life throughout. And so, um, you know, a fair amount of sort of crisis management work and, and um, again, <laughs> have really been sort of amazed, if not surprised, still amazed at the, the dedication and skill of the people around me. Um, you know, pivoting this university to an all online format in, in March of 2020 and then managing a kind of constantly changing um, context for teaching and learning has been has been really hard work and and the effort that's gone on behind the scenes to to keep the teaching and learning mission functioning um, has been has been a, a really um, tremendous effort and just amazing folks so so and that's all around campus right I, I'm fortunate and privileged to lead the Division for Teaching and Learning. So Division for Teaching and Learning includes Office of Undergraduate Advising, which offers advising services to students who are still exploring their majors and then also works with network and community of advisors all around campus. Um, it includes WIS Science, which is um, a program that does some really great work helping students um, find their way uh, into STEM majors around campus, um, helps them find research opportunities, um, guides them um, to do some service work out in the community as well. Division also includes our new Center for Teaching, Learning, and Mentoring, which was just created. A really uh, excellent group of colleagues who support instructors in um, designing and delivering courses around campus. Uh, and then and then come this summer, uh, officially, the, the division will include the Mortgage Center, which is, is a super exciting um, addition to, to the division. The kind of work that the division does, as you say, that may not always be visible is um, really supporting instructors in designing and delivering those courses. So, you know, there are parts of work in the division that students are very much familiar with, like a lot of students have their advisor over in the Office of Undergraduate Advising, or they work with folks in, in WIS Science. Um, uh, but then there's just a lot of work that goes on in the division to support folks around campus who are helping students. 
And as you mentioned, it was your passion for teaching that really brought you into this ideal faculty role, as you said. But in that role, you've ended up wearing a lot of different hats from COVID crisis mitigation, essentially, to even testifying in front of the legislature about certain topics such as critical race theory and some of that really complicated and politically charged legislation. Right. So can you talk about how you balance the interest and feedback of the campus community while tackling some of these really tough topics of public concern. Yeah, you know, I when I when I started this job in 2020, I I don't think I had any idea that I would end up down testifying before committees in the state assembly and state senate. Um, you know, it, it's been an honor to be able to go down and represent this university uh, and and in particular the teaching and learning community of this university uh, before the state legislature. And as you say, on some really difficult topics, um, you know, often going down to um, express the university's um, respectful opposition to to some legislation that, from our perspective, doesn't fit with our commitment to academic freedom um, and open inquiry at the university. So, but yeah, not easy and 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 contentious issues and challenging issues. And I think, you know, as as you kind of suggested, the work is really to try to appreciate the range of interested parties or stakeholders in those kinds of debates and perform some balancing acts. You know, no doubt there are folks on campus who would like to see me go down and and take a little more fiery or stronger position in some of those some of those debates um and uh, on the other hand i'm i'm going down to to speak with you know authors and supporters of legislation that i'm there to oppose so you know it, it definitely requires um plenty of preparation and and then then some care you know i i can't help in this context but just to reflect on the polarized, um, contentious, divisive times that we're going through politically. You know, one thing that I've come away with from from the experiences in that regard is just um, a renewed sense of the deep importance of listening. You know, when I go down to the state legislature, I'm, I'm of course, a representative first and foremost of the university, right? And, and that's my role in going down there. I you know, beyond that, the, the legislation um, that, that I was down testifying on has its, its, um, its parallel legislation in, in legislation that, that would impact K-12, and, and I'm the father of K-12 students, right? So, so I have my own, like anyone else, you know, maybe more than some people given my interest in politics, I have my own political opinions, um, some of them pretty fiercely and dearly held. And so, you know, one of the things is making sure that I'm listening to voices on campus and also making sure that I'm paying attention and listening to the folks I'm talking to, even even those who I disagree with. And that isn't to say that that listening means that I'm going to change my mind or that, you know, the position of the university that I'm there to to represent is going to change. But um I, I will say, w- without going into details um, that, that I consider sort of confidential, I've had some, some conversations down uh, at the other end of State Street that um, with people who I personally disagree with on these issues that have nonetheless been um, interesting and civil and respectful and 
um, that stick with me because they offer me a perspective that that is different from mine and that I don't share. And, and I don't mean again by that to say all views are equal or, you know, to, to lapse into a kind of um, naive or easy both sidesism because I don't I don't think that's the route to go. But but I've been reminded through some of those experiences, again, of that really deep importance of listening to people who you don't agree with. Right. And like you mentioned today in this polarized society, that's that's key, listening to others. And I think that comes into a really big role when we're talking about community-engaged work, working with other partners, trying to better understand and get outside of our own bubble is a tool that's so applicable in every part of life, whether we're talking about the political sphere or just working in whatever professions individuals choose to go to. It's it's essential, yeah. Yeah, and I, you know, in that community-based learning context, I mean, here I have to give a shout out and a tip of the hat to to folks at the Mortgage Center who, when I was first beginning to engage in some of that sort of work while I was at Chadbourne, you know, folks at the Mortgage Center were really instrumental in helping me process through and understand the importance of of um, of listening to partners when you're out in the community, um, and you know, I think. When you work at a at a world class elite research university like this one, um, you know there is a certain danger in uh, that you'll be caught up in in your own sense of your knowledge and expertise. It's it's easy to fall into um, a kind of elitism there, uh, and I think it it can also be easy to. Um, you know, suddenly, subtly and, and without really recognizing it, um, slip into a kind of detachment from, um, you know, the rich variety of perspectives that are out there. And, and I think there's no remedy for that other than getting out into the world off campus and, and interacting and engaging with folks. And so, you know, I've, I've tried to carry that learning that I would again attribute in part to colleagues here at the Mortgage Center. I've tried to carry that learning into the work that, that I'm involved in in Puerto Rico and, and approach that work with some confidence that I have something to bring to the partnership, but also recognizing that I have this wonderful opportunity to go and learn. Um, and so, trying to be in that space and, and trying to, to prepare the students who I'm going to travel with to be in that space as well, right? Like how do we go and listen and learn and observe and, and um, try to forge relationships and partnerships and not fall into the mistake of thinking that we have all the answers that we're carrying with us in our luggage somehow? You talked a lot about how the Mortgage Center has potentially influenced your own work and how you listen and go out into the community. Now we're going to be seeing that sort of partnership at an institutional level. As you mentioned earlier, the Mortgage Center after this or this summer will be officially moving from the School of Education to the Division of Teaching and Learning. So as Vice Provost of the Division, what opportunities and goals do you see coming from this transition and what excites you about working more closely with the Mortgage Center yeah, well, um, I am just incredibly excited by by this um, by this transition and by the opportunity. I mean, I think, you know, one thing one thing to say is that um, the Mortgage Center's been doing amazing work on campus and in the community for years, and um, was, you know, richly and strongly supported by the School of Education. And so, you know, you know, this is is really about. 
um, the mortgage center moving over to division for teaching and learning where um, I think everyone involved is confident that that um, the the impact of the mortgage center's work will be heightened you know the the division has um, partnerships and reach across campus and so I I look forward to helping the mortgage center connect with more partners out in the schools and colleges uh, than it already does and it already has amazing connections in that regard so I think that that's part of it is mortgage center coming over to a division that's located in the provost's office you know kind of is is a formal institutional recognition and lifting up of its cross-campus reach and then within the division, there's just these amazing opportunities for partnerships. So Center for Teaching, Learning, and Mentoring, you know, has as a goal reaching every instructor on this campus. And so I think about um, just really great uh, pathways for the Mortgage Center to um, to help bring community-based learning into more and more classrooms on this campus. You know, I think about a consultant in the Center for Teaching, Learning, and Mentoring working with a, a faculty member in, I don't know, let's say the history department who hasn't thought about doing community-based learning work before, but because Morgreet Center and CTLM are sitting in the same division, there's that opportunity to, to make that instructor aware of what's possible. Um, Office of Undergraduate Advising reaches, you know, hundreds and thousands of, of students across campus directly and indirectly. And, and so I think about opportunities for um, Mortgage Center to, to have new pathways to connect with a wider group of students. Um, you know, I'm super excited beyond those kind of pathways for more connection with audiences. I'm super excited by just the Mortgage Center's lifting up and commitment to public service, which I know will resonate with colleagues across the division um, and is you know, a real opportunity for all of us in the division to step back and think about how the work we do with teaching and learning on this campus can can be of service in that way. Um, the other thing I would just say is, you know, I think the Mortgage Center has this really amazing commitment to diversity, equity, inclusion, and justice, which is, is shared by uh, colleagues in the division for teaching and learning. And, and you know, really looking forward to conversations about how that commitment um, plays out differently in the different divi units in the division and how we can all work together. Right. And like you mentioned, community-based learning is a huge part of the Mortgage Center's mission. And I know I'm excited to see what comes of it. Learning about community-based learning through the Mortgage Center has really changed my perspective, a lot of the, the things I learn in my classes as well. And another big part of the Mortgage Center is, of course, this civic engagement aspect as well. How can we make sure students become active participants in our democracy now at the university level? So can you talk about that side of the Mortgage Center more and what you hope to see um, students learn is to make sure they're informed and engaged, especially with some important elections coming up. Yeah, and you can imagine that as a as a political science professor, this is has always been um, a, a matter of particular importance to me. You know, I I um, I really have never seen my task as a um, college level teacher of political science. I've never seen my task as being 
um, creating uh, more political scientists. Now, I've had some wonderful students over the year who have made their way into the ranks of the professorate and become political scientists, and that's wonderful. And I think that my discipline has a lot to teach by ways of, of skills in, in analysis and critical thinking. Um, but if I'm honest, what drives me most as a, as a teacher of political science is the idea that um, by studying politics, we might all become better, uh, more thoughtful, more critical citizens. And so that, that's always been core to my understanding of, of my professional mission. It's more important than it has ever been in my lifetime that um, college students find pathways towards um, engaged, active, critical citizenship. And that, of course, means participating in the electoral system, right? So we need good people, and, and by good people I mean thoughtful, knowledgeable, critical thinkers. I don't mean people who necessarily agree with me on the issues. We need thoughtful, knowledgeable, critical thinkers um, in the political world. Uh, we need folks like that to vote. Um, and we need folks like that to be to be running for office, right? So I think participation in in the electoral system is is really crucial. And um, I I have my concerns that the nature of um, of our political world in the United States right now is discouraging to to young people who might otherwise think about a career in electoral politics, right? So, you know, when I was young, you know, I'll confess I had my moments where I thought I might. Um, get into political life um, more directly. I think, you know, the kind of thing that might have turned me off from politics a little when I was younger was was fundraising, actually, more than anything, like the, the amount of time that elected officials end up spending raising money. Um, I think that's nothing compared to the sort of disincentives to enter political life right now. I, political life is is uh, divisive. It's nasty at times. And I think can well imagine talented, thoughtful young people looking at the electoral system and saying, that's not for me. And, and we're in trouble if that's what happens, right? And I don't mean to be a, a, a doomsayer, um, but we really need talented young people to screw up their courage and, and jump into, into electoral politics and, and certainly need them to vote, but also need them to be active running. So, so that's my soapbox speech on the electoral politics side. Um, and then, of course, that's not all of public life, right? I mean, this country has a rich, rich tradition of active civic life um, and civic associations. And so, you know, we need young people. Um, <laughs> we need young people serving on on uh, boards of nonprofits. We need young people involved in, in community um, organizations all around the country. And so... You, you can tell that, that that particular future has me a little concerned right now. Um, and, um, you know, I think we've all got a responsibility to try to find ways to improve our political culture, to make our public life a place where um, people can go and disagree, yes, but still interact with one another civilly. Um, and, you know, I think universities have a role to play in that. I, I think we have a role in in trying to model on campus ways of interacting and disagreeing with one another that we'd like to see more prevalent off campus. 
you know, I'm not naive about the challenges in that space. They're, they're very real right now. Right. And for students who are listening to this, whether they know the world they want to jump into is electoral politics, or if they're listening to this and hearing maybe, you know, they want to be active citizens, they want to be a part of this younger generation who really has a chance to push the needle on a lot of the toxic culture we're seeing today in politics. How would you encourage them or what ways would you like to see them tapping in to some of these systems now and trying to really get at the core of what it means to be a good citizen? How can they get involved in that? Yeah, you know, I'm going to I'm going to talk first about what I will describe as self-work that I think and and I don't mean to say this as, again, the college professor shaking his finger at young people and saying you've got to do this work because I've got to always continue to do this work as well. Um, you know, I think what, whatever your, whatever your political, um, beliefs or inclinations are, you got a responsibility to be self-critical. And when I use that language of self-work, right, like that's a language that I would often associate with ideas of social justice, right? So, so I do think that self-work involves reflecting on our identities and understanding not only the challenges, but the privileges that those identities bring, um, understand the, the perspectives that our identities may incline us towards and, and then, you know, reflecting on, on the identities of the folks who we interact with. So I think that self-work is incredibly important, you know, for, for someone like me, um, it's actually really important to reflect on what it means to be the first part of this is hard to say a middle-aged, you know, white cisgendered male in who, who's a, a, a tenured full professor in an elite research university. Like I am packing around so much unearned privilege in any encounter or relationship that I walk into. Um, and I need to be aware of that and I need to understand how that shapes my interactions and relationships. Right. And I think that's true for all of us again. And I think I think that's work with political implications that in itself is not political. We all have to do that work, right? I, I just think that's true. And I, and I recognize in our political world that me talking about identity in that way can sound like a politically charged set of claims, but I just think that's true for all of us that we have to do that self-work, right? Um, the, the, the next step is to, to try to cultivate a set of, um, you know, what I would think of honestly as a set of civic virtues that will guide us in, in, in interacting with other people. I'm, I'm thinking here honestly of, of, uh, the Wisconsin experience as we define it at UW, which holds up as, as its four pillars, this set of, of competencies or attitudes or aptitudes, um, intellectual confidence, relentless curiosity, uh, purposeful action. And the last one, which I think is super important, which is empathy and humility. Um, which I think most of us in general as human beings need to, to remind ourselves of as important, as important traits or characteristics. And I think at this moment in time, as we enter into the political realm, um, again, doing some of that self-work and then entering into the political and civic realm, trying as hard as we can and recognizing that we're imperfect human beings, so it's always going to be a work in progress, but to engage with other people from a perspective of empathy and humility. And then following that, it's sort of, you know, finding the things that you're passionate about. What is it that, what is it that you care most about? I, I, I don't think any of us are likely to do particularly good civic work if we're 
working on the things that other people care about or that we think we should care about, but, but find that thing that, that motivates you the most and then try to act with, you know, integrity and empathy and humility in, in trying to make uh, a difference in the world. I guess the way I would put it is trying to check your passion with some empathy and humility as you interact with other people. I think that's a great answer, checking your passion with empathy and humility and getting back to the idea of relentless curiosity, self-work, and almost to a point, looking back at what what you can do better. I think at the end of the day, that's what it comes back to. No, and I, I you know, I would say to, to students and, and to my colleagues and faculty and staff at this university is that you know, whatever, whatever background we come from, and, and again, acknowledging that, that I am at a point in my life where I have, um, again, tons and tons of, of unmerited, unearned privilege. But all of us who are part of this university are in a privileged position, right? Like all of us as members of this campus community um, are fortunate to be part of this institution of higher learning. And, and I think with that comes responsibility. Part of the responsibility that comes with that is that sort of humble, empathetic presence in the world when you can muster it. Thanks for joining us, Vice Provost Sumbrennan. For information about Wisconsin's upcoming elections, check out the Badgers Vote social media accounts at Badgers Vote on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. To learn more about how you can get civically engaged in the Madison community during and outside election seasons, check out the Badgers Vote webpage at mortgage.wisc.edu. Stay connected to all things Mortgage Center at Mortgage Center on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Thanks again for tuning into Gridge Bridge, and we'll see you next time.